Page 110. <laughs> saved tonight say amen i'm glad i am glad i'm glad i'm saved and i was glad when they said unto me let us go to the house of the lord i'm glad to be here tonight this His beauty tonight, and His alone, and, uh, and I thank the Lord that even on a Wednesday night, even when we're tired, even when we're very exhausted, and when it's in the middle of a work week, I, I promise you, church, I understand, I understand, and and uh, it's uh, it, but there's nothing like pulling on the side for a little while on a Wednesday night, shutting it all down, shutting it all off, and let's focus our gaze one more time in the only direction that really truly matters amen thank the lord i'm glad to be here tonight church aren't you all right well let's see brother ron i want you to stand up where you are and pray for us tonight as we further in the service and brother terry i want you to have another song ready and in the magazine tonight let's pray the lord would help us for a little while church go ahead brother. lord thank you for the time we have to stay to take a minute and worship you and like brother jay said i wish we could just block everything else out and worship you a little while 
God, uh, I need you. I need you to give me something today. God, I ask yes. you to help Brother Jay in his message. God, I need something. Yes. I, I'm sure I'm not the only one here. Yes. And Lord, I appreciate the way only you know how to do this. Thank you. And God, I'm just asking you to do it. I appreciate it. I'm much obliged. In your name, amen. amen. If you would, let's all stand. Page 211. Thank God for a missionary. They got on my heart today. In the course of events, have become a serious part of my, my praying going forward. Have been, and I've thought about them and prayed for them. And I tell you, I want to get to know them. And uh, I'm thankful for our missionaries tonight. And so we want to make sure, man, that you can be seated for just a moment. Uh, be sure to pray for them. God's doing a work. What He does through His local church is He works in the local area. He works in the regional area and he works in the international area so we want to pray for our missionaries tonight that God would touch them and use them we've got one right here in our church tonight we 
need to be much in prayer about, about the, what the Lord's doing through this. We still have a great commission. Still have a great commission. Still alive and well tonight. God's still saving old sinners. And I'm grateful for that. Amen. Tell you what, brother. Terry, it'd be a good time to go ahead and let's take up prayer requests. And we'll sing here. And brother Terry's going to come back in a minute and sing one. Sister Megan, just play softly tonight. I want to go ahead and start with prayer requests. I know there's so many needs. Um, it's just amazing over the past couple weeks how many things has popped up. And uh, it's just amazing. I want to pray tonight for Brayer Shadburn, Brother John's grandson. Isn't that right? Five years old. And uh, tonight just has a lot of issues going on. Does anybody have an update on that? The man in the prayer room was talking about it a moment ago. Brother John's grandson, five years old. He's got pneumonia. Is that right? That's exactly right. Pray for him tonight and uh, pray for Brother John. God would touch them. Uh, Miss Kelly Sisk and Sherry Seabolt, remember those tonight. Then obviously all the ones we've been praying for here recently, it's on our prayer list. And my, 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 there's just so much. Um, Brother Lloyd, pray for Brother Lloyd. Brother Lloyd tonight. Uh, uh, Brother Lloyd's dad, which is Brother, somebody help me. Brother Robert, that's exactly right. Pray for Brother Robert. He's not feeling well this evening. Brother Lloyd texted earlier and asked us to remember him in prayer. Um, just going through several. We got Sister Carolyn tonight. And pray for Sister Lynn. And pray for Brother Ron and the caretaking there. Sister Carolyn's got a long road ahead of her. Pray for her tonight. Sister Peggy, she's back home. But she's recovering. And, and uh, from what Brother Billy told me uh, today, that she was out getting groceries. So you can't keep a good woman down. So let's pray for her and so many more. Brother Rick. And he's got a lot coming up, Brother Terry. So, church, let's pray for Brother Rick. A lot of treatment and and uh, needs help from the Lord. Go ahead, Brother Terry. Any, anything else? Okay, I thought I heard you say something. Anybody else tonight with a prayer request? Yes, ma'am. Kevin Denner.
you drag into our military tonight. Amen. Let me say this. we got Veterans Day coming up. Friday. We would not be here tonight enjoying the freedom. I think sometimes it's so easy to get drawn aside because this is just the way it is here. We get to come out and in freedom and in ease and in tranquility publicly participate in the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is not this way around this planet. I've got a buddy. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to make it. I've, I've got in touch with him, called him, asked him, and I want him to come to the church. His name is Andrew Tonkin. About six foot four. Uh, a lot about Brother Andrew I could go on about tonight, but he's in a, he's in a place in the Middle East, back in the mountains, where there are serious, 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 serious Muslims. It's not a joke to them, and they, they take the lives of others who do not share their faith. And he's there trying to preach the gospel. They can't gather like this. Can't do it. But somewhere back there years ago, there were some pilgrims that said, we want to be able to worship our God in freedom, and they crossed the sea. There's been a lot of fights had, a lot of bloodshed. I'm grateful for our military tonight that still fights to keep us free. I'm grateful for that. We got a lot of issues in this country. Pray for our country. We got a lot of problems. Got a lot of issues. Got a lot of problems. This is not the America I grew up in. I grew up in the 90s. This is not the America I grew up in. But we still live in the greatest country on the face of the planet. And she needs our prayer tonight. She needs our prayer. And all those in, in office. God help us. God help us. Mm. Anybody else tonight? Brother Jeff. do something, that God would touch in situations. Oh, this is so important tonight. This is so important. Wesley Hoffman, I, I would ask the church personally uh, for tonight, if I could just keep it an unspoken name, but I have a, uh, have a member of my family that is in need of Christ tonight. I ask you to pray. I spent an hour and a half on the phone with this individual Monday night. 
at the end of their way with sin. Almost at the end of their way. Needs Christ. I, I ask you, church, to pray. Now, there's a possibility that this family member may be flying in from another state and going to be joining us in service on Sunday. I ask you personally, if you would, to pray that God, that God would touch, that God would, that Christ would do what only He can do. Reformation don't get it. I'm grateful for every course and every class that's ever helped anybody, but Jesus Christ breaks the chains. Breaks the chains. <laughs> he breaks the chains with whatever you're facing tonight. Jesus Christ. Yes, ma'am, Sister Sue. first and last name. Spoken request do we have in the house tonight? Lift your hand, please. Nearly everyone here tonight. Calling to me, and I will answer and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock. And it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. Him that seeketh, findeth. Him that knocketh, shall be open unto him. God, help us not to ask amiss. And we know not what to pray for as we ought. But this we do know. The Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities. See, we don't know how we should pray. 
We don't. We just don't. We know how we want to pray. But the Bible says we know not what to pray for as we ought. But when we come in serious need, serious need, the Holy Ghost translates that need to our Father. He knows what we have need of before we even ask Him. Oh, how He longs. You see, He has chosen the avenue of prayer to work in the lives of His children. That's what God has chosen. Just like God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe, God has chose, hath, hath chosen prayer. He's chosen prayer to work in the lives of His people. So what we're about to do tonight is not just tradition. What we're about to do is seriously. And He's listening. We can have confidence and boldness to come to him before the throne room. You could have the ear, I don't know if he can hear, but you could have the ear of Joe Biden. You could have the ear of Donald Trump. You could have the ear and the lobbying power of every senator in Congress, of every congressman. You could have the mayor the governor, whatever you think you need to get some things done. But tonight, I'm glad that if you are born again, there is a God who owns it all, has power over it all, works through it all, is in it all. I'm talking upholds it all, holds the king's hand, heart in his hand. That God, we're about to talk to him tonight. Are you ready? We're about to talk to that one tonight. All right, let's gather around the altar and let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. Remember these requests and so many others tonight.
come in those jails, Lord, and in those prisons, God, and touch their hearts. And may the Spirit of God open up, Lord, their hearts to the Lord. Thank you, Sister Maggie. Appreciate that. All right. Matthew chapter number 14. Back at Matthew tonight. I, I'm, I'm constrained to clean up and finish up what we started Sunday morning. So I've got no other choice tonight. And I know not all of us were here that were here Sunday morning. But uh, I definitely feel like we need to take a Go back here, finish up what we began, and move forward. Matthew chapter number 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him and to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, I love that word, don't you? Immediately. Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. 
Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. We dealt with the subject, and tonight, for the sake of a title, uh, fellas, in the sound booth, we'll just, we'll just go with seeing who Jesus really is, part two, or cleanup, whatever you want to say. Seeing who Jesus really is, that's what we looked at. We mentioned that in order to get a hold of what was going on in this text, that there were some things that we have to understand or we would be utterly lost if we just pull this situation out of context. Christ at this point, we uh, said, had amassed a huge following and the Jews had no idea what to do with this man, Christ Jesus of Nazareth. We also made note that he had fed just previous to this uh, ship experience that he had fed, it's possible, upwards to 25,000 people. It's possible. If you have men of 5,000 and add women to that number and then add children, which the Jews were definitely encouraged more so than in our day to have large families. So we'll, we'll stick with a conservative estimate of 25,000 people. That he just fed. Excitement was everywhere. The consensus was that Christ was a great man sent from God. We mentioned we mentioned that he was a prophet said by some. We mentioned that he was a teacher said by some. And was he that? Yes, he was. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a teacher. But buddy, if that's as far as you go with your thoughts of Christ, we got a lot of ground to make up. Because he is the Son of God. And he is God, the Son. And what Christ was interested in doing was getting his disciples to verse number 33. And they worshipped him, saying of a truth, thou art the Son of God. That's what he's interested in. We notice the disciples' disappointment. And we made, we made acknowledgement of asking the question, well, were they disappointed in the storm? No, they were disappointed before they got to the storm. They were disappointed that on the seashore they were celebrities and things were going good. They were at the right hand of Jesus as he fed the mass amount of multitudes and they were thronging Christ in need of Christ. Jesus had just served supper. And so they were big shots. They were the right-hand guys of Jesus Christ, this man of Nazareth. They were certain that it was time for them to head to Jerusalem and Judea, knock off Herod, knock off Pilate, and then march on Rome, deliver the children of Israel out from underneath the hands of the Romans. This is the Messiah that would come. It's time to ride this wave of popularity. It's time to set things in order. We've got a lot of momentum. But they were disappointed when Jesus constrained them to get into a ship, to get into a boat. The word constrained means we said that Jesus forced them into the boat. 
as he sent the multitudes away. So they've got this huge crowd that's been following Jesus for so long, for such a long amount of time, now Jesus is wanting to put them in a boat, shut this thing down, and send the multitudes away. And not only that, but Jesus is not even coming with us. He's going into a mountain to pray. You get the setting. They're following Jesus, the one who heals the sick, we said. They raise the dead, the one who preaches unbelievable messages, the Sermon on the Mount, gives amazing parables. He confounds the Pharisees, the one that the sky opened and God spoke. But they had their, they were confused. And they were disappointed. In their mind, Jesus is about to take over and set up his kingdom. And Jesus looks at him, we said, and says, hey, I want you to get in the boat. I've got to move quicker. I'm going to preach this message again. Not only that, but we notice that uh, he, he, as he sends these folks away, as he puts the disciples in the boat, as he ascends by himself into a mountain apart to pray, they see the storm clouds rolling in. Nighttime's coming. We made the observation of how many times that we wanted to go in a certain direction, but God forced us down another path, one of disappointment, one of hardship, and one of solitude. And we think that if God delivers us from the trouble, and from the pain, and from the heartbreak, and from the, and, 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 and from the, the situation that we're in, the mindset that we're in, that, that, Things will be well, and that's what God's doing in our life. My dear friend, God is inviting us to the night of conviction so that we can see the cross of Christ. We can never understand the sweetness of divine comfort if we never have sorrow. We can never hear Him speak peace if we are not in the midst of rolling waves. So we noticed their disappointment. We also spoke about the direction that they were heading in. And we made a quick observation of that. They didn't know what direction they were heading in. They just knew they needed to get to the other side. But when the storm arises, they don't know which way they're heading. And that's what happens to you and I. We didn't say this, but I will say this tonight. When we feel like we have clear direction in life, and we feel like we're heading in the way that we need to head, doing what we need to do, we've obeyed the Master, and we've, and we've walked out in faith and set sail. Don't be alarmed when storms get to blowing. Because even in our obedience, Christ is still developing us, developing our faith, growing us in the Lord Jesus Christ in knowledge and in grace. And He's knocking off the chunks of us so that all that's left is Christ. Have you ever wondered when you stand beside a, a person of faith who has been saved for years, and it's just like, man, they're so godly. They're so Christ-like. They're so Christ and God-centered. 
God's just been spending a lifetime knocking chunks of themselves off. That all that's left is Jesus. We know that all things work together for good to them who love God or the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. What God started in you when He saved you is that for the rest of your life, He's going to work on you and conform you to the image of His Son. All right. They didn't know what direction they were heading, but he did. Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. What does the fourth watch mean? It's, that means it's dark. That means there is no light. Plus all this, a big storm blowing. blowing. Listen, it's one thing for darkness to set in when the, when the sky is clear. I've even seen some clear nights that the stars nearly gave, I mean, gave light that you could see around on. And, and that type of clarity. In the mountains where I grew up in, that air was so crisp, buddy. Even if the moon wasn't shining, it wasn't really dark. But this was dark. Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. The Bible says Jesus went unto them. And we said this. That Jesus did not need a flashlight to find his disciples. Because he is the light. And in him is no darkness. That's what John 8 and 12 said. Jesus said again unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And he knew where they were. He didn't need a GPS tracker. He didn't need an Apple Air tag or some kind of thing or a Garmin to figure out where they were. And brother and sister tonight, he does not need some kind of tracker to know where you are. He knows where his children are. are. And he, he's, he is emotionally, intricately, romantically attached to exactly where you're at tonight. Take heart, child of God. He knows where you're at. So we said that he knew exactly where they're at and knew what the direction was. And he knows where you are. And he has never lost one. The disciples said, we're going to get lost out here. We're going to go down out here. We're, going to be, we're just going to be unknown. Jesus said in John 17 to his prayer, I have lost none of them. And he's, you're not going to be his first one. He said, Brother Jay, I don't know if I'll ever get out of this season that I'm in of my life. And this issue that I have in my life. And this issue that I have in my mind. This problem that I have. This storm that I'm in. This situation that we're facing. He's not going to lose you in the storm. It's not going to happen. And he knows where you're at. Now, notice, we noticed their anxiety. I've got to hurry. We noticed their anxiety. They were troubled. And on top of all their disappointment, on top of their messed up direction, now they have to contend with fear. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for, say it with me, fear. Have you ever been afraid tonight? Have you ever been afraid? 
They were troubled. They were messed up in their mind. They were messed up in their situation. They were confused about what God was doing, what Christ was doing. Why did we have to leave the peace and tranquility that we were still in? Why did we have to leave the good moment and go into this bad moment? You ask yourself that? When you've had a good spiritual encouraging, when God's met with you at church, when you've had a good season in prayer, when it seems like things are going well with your family and in your situation, now you're in a storm. Why could we not have stayed on the bank and kept eating the good food and kept, in, and kept being in a good situation with people around us, with people thinking things are going good? Oh... Child of God tonight, see what he's doing. He's proven something to you. Now, let's, let's go on. They were troubled. They were afraid. They cried out, thinking no one hears. We said that the one walking on the waves had just came from the throne room. We said that Jesus is praying for you right now. As you prayed, he had already been praying for you. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God tonight making intercession for me and you. He sits at the right hand of his father saying, Father, help my son, Jay. Touch my son, Jay. Do this in Jay's life. Let me tell you something. There's been some prayers I thought I didn't get through on, but they ain't never been a prayer, Brother Terry, that Jesus didn't get answered. And he had just come along from the throne room. We noticed this about the text. He didn't say, hey, it's me. He said, it is I. And we said without those three words that the be of good cheer and the be not afraid would have been insignificant. How many times in your life and in your situation where somebody's come up and said, Hey, man, just get, just get happy. Look at how good you've got it. How many times have somebody said, Man, just cheer up. It's okay. And it didn't do no help for you. How many times have I told my wife to calm down? Never once. You either, Brother Terry? No, 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 calm down. No, no, no. And that definitely doesn't help. I know this because she, told, she tells me that that does not help. I'm hard on Charlie, Anna, a little bit. She's, yeah, she's pretty hard on me, too. Now I'm cutting up. But telling somebody to calm down, I've read something here recently, never in the history of calm down, when you've told someone that, have it, has it ever helped them to calm down? So he made the observation that Jesus said, be of good cheer. The last thing he said was, be not afraid. But they had no reason to be of good cheer because they had just left the seashore. They had just left the popularity. They had, their food was soggy in the bottom of the boat. They didn't have nothing to be happy about. And they was afraid because they're seeing a spirit. They think they're about to die. They're not even sure if they're ever going to see dry land again. But the only thing that could give them good cheer, that could 
caused their fear to run away. It's those three words that Jesus spoke. It is I. It is I. Listen, it's one thing for your preacher to say, hey, don't be afraid. And it's one thing for the elders to say, hey, don't be afraid. It's one thing for the deacons to say, don't be afraid. It's one thing for our, our preachers to say, don't be afraid. It's one thing for our team, on and on. Sisters, the good elders in the church, those that love God, it's one thing for all of us to say, be not afraid. But because He is Christ, and it is Him, and He is the eye of the storm, and He is everything that He ever said He was, we have no need. To be afraid because it's Him. So we noticed those things and we had to hurry up and, and get done Sunday morning. And then I'm, I'm done with this. Let's, let's notice Peter's walk of faith. Verses 29 through 31. And he said, Peter's, uh, Peter, uh, 28 through 31. And Peter answered him after he said, it is I. And said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. That is always his response. Come. So, but you, Brother Jay, you don't understand my situation. Jesus says, come. You don't understand how, what kind of magnitude I'm dealing with. Jesus said, come. But if I go, I'll sink. Jesus said, come. My faith is weak. Of course it is. Jesus said, come. So, Peter steps out on the boat. And again, we've mentioned this a few times about Peter. But it's amazing to me. Peter was about one of the only ones out of this bunch that had some gumption. I mean, buddy, even if it wasn't right, he was going to say it. Even if it was out of order, Peter, something was going to happen, Brother Terry. I mean, he was a doer. I mean, he's just rambunctious, whatever, let's go. But he's the only human who ever walked on water. I find that interesting. Jesus said, come. And... When Peter was come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Where is Peter's eyes as he's standing on top of this water? On Christ. That's exactly right. On the Lord Jesus Christ. Why were they afraid? Because the storm that had popped up in their life is about to overtake them. The, the, the issues that are surrounding and pressing on them were the waves and the wind that were contrary. They were in a mess. But because Peter's eyes was on Christ, he walked on top of the trouble. An impossible situation. An impossible problem. I mean, if we need to fill up this, we talked a little bit about a baptistry a minute ago, but if we need to fill up this baptistry tonight to the brim and let some of us try to go through here and walk on this, 
We're fine, I believe. We don't need that proof. But some of you are questioning and saying, I'm dealing with something that is impossible. That I cannot handle. That I cannot figure out. That I cannot touch. That I cannot work out. Don't you think your pastor, with all that's going on and with this, all this growth that's happening, all these issues, these health crises, I'm not looking out and saying, I've got an impossible situation. Many of you are like that in here tonight. Saying, I've got an impossible situation. There's some that's listening on live stream tonight saying, I've got an impossible situation. But if you look to Jesus Christ and cast your gaze on him and cast your all on the Lord Jesus Christ, cast everything that you are. You say, well, Brother Jay, I did that when God saved me. And if you ever started doing that, You'll never stop it. And God will bring you daily and weekly and monthly back to this gaze that Peter's looking at here. Jesus Christ. And my, how we've been pushing that in the preaching these last few weeks. This one thing. Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Jesus, it's his church, it's his salvation, it's his grace, it's his mercy, it's his strength. My peace give unto you, it's his peace, it's his victory, it's his everything. I'm just a weak, poor vessel that needs him. I'm just a broke down sheep that all I've ever brought to him, Brother Tim, is problems and problems and problems. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Not me and not you. And that's the complex we get sometimes after so many victories. You know, when we fed the multitudes, Brother Ron, when we've seen so many victories. We start getting this complex that, you know what, maybe we do have this thing figured out. Maybe we have finally come to some understanding where we've got some stability. Oh, maybe I have reached a full maturity in Christ and have apprehended. And have figured it out and finally I've learned to walk with the Lord. But the Apostle Paul. The man that is responsible for New Testament church doctrine, the great missionary, the greatest Christian that ever lived, said, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before, I long to apprehend that that I've been apprehended by. The Lord Jesus Christ is my goal and my vision. A sure way to get discouraged is to take your eyes off Jesus. A sure way to blow out is to get your eyes off Jesus. A sure way to... Maybe some of y'all know what I'm talking about when I say this. For your mind to get real cloudy, 
like a bumblebee's nest and everything's just rolling around up in here and, 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 and anxiety is crippling you and worry is crippling you and fear is crippling you and confusion is crippling you and you just can't understand. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink. And church, if you would allow me to remind you tonight that either individually or collectively, either individually or collectively, if we get our eyes on Christ, off of Christ, we're going to sink. We're going to sink. That's what happened to Peter. He got his eyes off Christ. But because of, let's say, the thorn, or because of the weakness, or because of the great necessity that Peter had, because of the great situation that he found himself in, he said, I'm going to die. I'm going to die out here. Me like an idiot, I've stepped out on the boat in faith, and I've followed the Lord Jesus Christ, and I've walked him, and here I am going to die. I've done got my eyes on the Lord, and I can't even see him now. I don't even know where he's at in my life. He said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. That word immediately, it's an amazing word. Go home and study it tonight. That means that there was not one moment that was wasted between the time Peter finished saying, Lord, save me. So that has to mean that the Lord was already on his way down. Immediately. No time wasting. Now, if somebody, if, 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 if Charlie called for me at the back or anybody at the back needed help at the front, I couldn't get there immediately. There would be time that was wasted between here and there. But not Christ. See, because he knows where we're at. He knows our situation. He knows when we finally had enough of our own efforts, of our own self, of our own situation. And if we'll cry out to him tonight and say, Lord, fasten my eyes on you, buddy, he will manifest himself. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. If we'll get our eyes back on Christ. This afternoon. It may not change the storm you're in. Because they still had to walk back to the boat in the storm. It wasn't until Jesus got in the ship that the storm ceased. There were still problems. There were still troubles. But Peter. Christ saved this man. Rescued this man. Brought him back on the boat. And then there was peace. And. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. This is the first recorded time in the book of Matthew that we ever see his disciples saying he is the Son of God. In the book of Matthew, up until this point, the previous storm they went through, he said... They said, what manner of man is this? 
Well, that just quite won't get the job done, will it? But when we come and say, of a truth, Lord, you are in control. You are Jesus. You are the Savior. You are the Christ. You are the commander of my soul. You are the leader. Take us wherever you want to go. You're the boss. Whatever you want me to go through, wherever you lead me, whichever direction you lead me, Lord, you know better than I do. You're the Son of God, and I'll follow you as one of your sheep. That's where the Lord wants us tonight. That's where he wanted his disciples. He had to pull them away from the popularity because he knew what they were going to do. He knew just like Paul would that he'd get lifted up in himself, lifted up in his pride, lifted up in his situation, lifted up with what was going on, the good time. And sometimes the Lord will take you for a moment and give you some isolation to knock all of that self-pride out of you and out of me so that we can hit our knees and worship him. Worship the Son of God. Worship the Son of God. Well, I wanted to finish up Peter tonight and clean that up before we moved on. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad this evening that the Lord knows where you're at? Aren't you glad with confidence we can say that? Keep your eyes on Jesus, church. I don't know how much longer I'll be in, in this vein that, I, that I'm in, but I can say this. If your preacher gets off of the subject of Jesus Christ, we've got problems here. We've got problems here. I pray that the Lord would keep our eyes focused in one direction. Amen. Thank the Lord. Well, I tell you what. Let's sing this chorus tonight, and let's be dismissed. After, and I'll announce, let me make some announcements, and then we'll sing right here. And then I tell you what. Uh, Brother Terry, come up and pray for us tonight, and we'll be dismissed after Brother Terry prays. Um, announcements, just about this coming Sunday. Now, I'm not going to make any more announcements than that, because I will forget some. And Brother Terry, if you think of anything after this, the church van leaving, the church bus leaving at 345 from here on Sunday evening, coming down the ordination, um, that starts at 5 o'clock, but we want to make sure we get through traffic. So at 345, the bus is leaving here. If you want to drive yourself, that's fine. But the bus will be here leaving at 345. And who's driving? That man right up yonder. Brother Densmore will be driving. And so maybe that just made your decision for you. <coughs> You're going to drive yourself to the ordination. Um, so uh, we'll be leaving at 345. Service starts at 5. Uh, the men of the church who are going to be part of the presbytery need to be there at, uh, let me get this right, 4.30. And uh, the co committee will convene. Um, Sunday morning, Brother Chris Kitchens was confirmed. Now, I did this to him in the process of me coming to Maryville. So he's, he, he promises it's not payback. But they have a Thanksgiving service that he was not aware of on Sunday until his Folk at his church made him aware of it when he told him that they, he would be gone Sunday morning. So he called me on Monday and said, I don't know what to tell you, and I'm so sorry. Uh, but I will, I will not be able to make it Sunday. So we're going to look to the Lord for Sunday morning service.
and see what the Lord had for us. I was excited about having Brother Chris Kitchens in. He's also going to be part of the ordination. Um, but one of my favorite preachers in the entire world, Brother Chris Kitchens. And I look forward to introducing you. We won't be able to make it Sunday, so you pray for him. Uh, one more announcement, Thanksgiving night, uh, the 19th. The 19th, we're going to be having uh, Brother Jones, Brother uh, Andrew, and Sister Mary Beth. Y'all coming out, we're just going to have a night of Thanksgiving. Wonderful, wonderful crowd, uh, wonderful folk. And again, I want to make sure, and I, I, I hate to do this in an open setting, but is there any conflictions with anybody that has anything going on with us canceling the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving? Are there any issues? The reason I want to do that is because I want to give you time. Thanksgiving is special to us. I hope it is to y'all. It's a special time. It's a special time of family. It's a special opportunity to come. So I want to give the church some rest. We've been pushing, pushing, pushing. So let's take a moment and with a heart of Thanksgiving. So come prepared Sunday night, the 19th, with a heart of Thanksgiving so that we can enjoy the week of Thanksgiving and time together with family. And you deer hunters are probably not going to be upset about that. So, uh, no, it, no, in all seriousness, I, I feel like that would be in order unless anyone sees an objection, which we won't go into conference about tonight. But, uh, but if you do, come see me after service. But that's the route we'll take. Um, and let's see, am I missing anything, Brother Terry? Uh, all right. 